Good morning, everybody. This morning's Bible reading is taken from Peter 1, chapter 4, verses 12 to 19. And the heading in my version of the Bible is called Suffering for Being a Christian. Dear friends, do not be surprised at the painful trial you are suffering, as though something strange were happening to you. But rejoice that you participate in the sufferings of Christ, so that you may be overjoyed with his glory when his glory is revealed. If you are insulted because of the name of Christ, you are blessed, for the spirit of glory and of God rests on you. If you suffer, it should not be as a murderer or a thief or any other kind of criminal or even as a meddler. However, if you suffer as a Christian, do not be ashamed, but praise God that you bear that name. For it is time for judgment to begin with the family of God. And if it begins with us, what will the outcome be for those who do not obey the gospel of God? And if it is hard for the righteous to be saved, what will become of the ungodly and the sinner? So then, those who suffer according to God's will should commit themselves to their faithful creator and continue to do good. Here ends the reading. Thanks, Trevor, for reading that for us. Uh, let's pray and ask that God would open those words to our hearts and our minds so that we can understand them and take them to heart. Let's pray. Dear Lord and Heavenly Father, we praise you that you are a God who speaks to us. Lord, you're the God who made language and you made us to understand words. And we pray that as we now reflect on your words to us, that you would give us the understanding that your words would give, uh, penetrate into our hearts and stir us to love you, stir us to live for you with all our being. Lord, we need your grace to that end. And so we ask for it through Jesus, in whose name we pray. Amen. Athletes uh, will tell you that... Uh, 90% of sport is mental, or some number like that. You know, 80% of statistics are made up on the spot, but a large percentage of, uh, of, uh, of sport is mental. It's about not just physical training. Winning doesn't come just from working hard on the track, but it comes from also thinking rightly about what it is you're trying to do. You, if you're going to win a premiership, you need to understand how to think about what you're doing. These days, people have sports psychologists and their, and their role is to teach the athletes to think about the sport that they're playing, to, to approach it in the right way. And just as 90% of sport is mental, so also, uh, in the Christian life, how we think about the world is really important. We need to think rightly about God and ourselves and the world in which we live so that we can live well. It's not just about courage, it's not just about strength and fortitude, it's about understanding the world, understanding God, understanding ourselves. And that's what this passage is about. It's teaching us to think rightly, to approach the world and in particular to approach 
suffering for being a Christian in the right way. If we are to suffer for following Christ, if we're to do that well, then we don't just need courage and strength and fortitude, but we need to think rightly about what's going on to approach that with the right perspective so that we can uh, respond in the right way. So how do we respond? Well, uh, Peter's first command in those verses that Trevor read to us is this, don't be surprised, verse 12. Dear friends, don't be surprised at the fiery ordeal that has come on you to test you as though something strange were happening to you. Don't be surprised. We need to understand, first of all, that what Peter is talking about is suffering for the gospel. As people living in this broken world, we all suffer in lots of ways. We suffer the effects of the fall. We, uh, we suffer things like sore hips or bad backs. And while it's true, of course, that we can trust God in the midst of that, we can trust God in everything that we face. While it's true that we can trust God in the face of those, if you like, everyday sufferings, that's not what Peter is talking about here. He's talking about when we suffer because we follow Christ. Later in verse 16, he says, if you suffer as a Christian. He's talking about suffering as a Christian. Or verse 14, if you are insulted because of the name of Christ. So he's saying, when that happens, when you suffer as a result of following Jesus, don't be surprised. Don't be surprised that the consequence of following Jesus is suffering. Peter was writing to people who were in that situation. They were suffering because they were following Jesus. And he says to them, this is not strange. What you're experiencing is not strange. It's actually almost normal. It's part and parcel of being a Christian. Jesus says to his disciples in John 15, a servant is not greater than his master. If they persecuted me, they will persecute you also. They did it to Jesus, they'll do it to those that follow him. Now, saying, don't be surprised, might seem like a kind of strange place to start, sort of an an inadequate response to suffering. Don't be surprised, step one. But it's actually really important. It's important because very often we are surprised by suffering for being a Christian. A number of years ago, uh, when I was living up on the north coast, the northwest coast, uh, the pastor that I was working with made a comment about an artwork that was hanging in one of the local cafes. It was just an off-the-cuff remark. Uh, it was a picture of, uh, you, might, you might know, was it Da Vinci who painted The Last Supper? I can't remember. Uh, and instead of Jesus in the middle, it was a Tasmanian devil. Uh, And he just made a comment about that, that some Christians might be offended. The next day, the newspaper came out, uh, and on the front page, pastor uh, rejects, uh, you know, or denounces (laughs) local artists or something like that. It was really really cut. It was, you know, it was was just being honest about, about it. 
what he thought, how he thought some people would respond. But he was quite distressed. He was surprised. And I remember we were talking about it and I said, oh, you probably shouldn't be surprised. Jesus says, blessed are you and people revile you, insult you, because that's how they treated the prophets. So often we're surprised. We want to keep our name out of the paper. We want people to like us. But Jesus says actually suffering for being a Christian is kind of normal. It's actually almost unavoidable. Jesus goes so far in Luke 6 to say, Woe to you when everyone speaks well of you. For that is how their ancestors treated the false prophets. If people who are not Christians invariably think that you're amazing, then there's actually probably something wrong. It probably means that your life in following Jesus is not cutting across the grain of the world, which inevitably it will if we live the way that Jesus lived. Jesus was deeply compassionate, deeply generous, deeply loving, and people hated him. The point is that suffering and rejection are a normal part of the Christian experience. They hated Jesus, they'll hate those who follow him. So if you're thinking about becoming a Christian, if you're here today and you've heard, you're hearing the gospel for the first time, the good news about Jesus for the first time, or maybe you've been coming along for a while and you've been thinking about whether or not you want to commit your life to Christ, please know that the cost of committing your life to Jesus will be suffering for Jesus. Please realize that the cost of following Jesus will be very, very high. That doesn't mean that it's not worth it. It's the most worthwhile, the most wonderful, the most important thing that you can do. But please don't be duped into thinking that it will make your life fantastic. It won't. The way of Jesus is the way of the cross. So too, if you are a parent, if you don't tell your children that following Jesus will cost them, it will involve suffering then when suffering comes in their life because they follow Jesus, when they have to give up things for following Jesus, when they're reviled and insulted and hated because they follow Jesus, they'll probably give up. Because you never told them that following Jesus would cost. If you tell them that Jesus has a wonderful plan for their life, but you don't tell them that part of God's wonderful plan for their life is that they'll suffer for knowing Jesus, then they will be shocked and let down when that finally comes. But if you tell them that suffering for Jesus is part of the normal course of following Jesus, then they'll be expected, expecting it. They'll know how to deal with it. They'll be ready. So if you've never talked to your children about that, about suffering for Jesus and the cost of following Jesus, then I would encourage you to, to think about that, to do that, to do it sooner rather than later so that they understand what it means, so that they count the cost, as Jesus says, and recognize that it's worthwhile. 
And finally, for those of us who have been Christians who, for a long time, we need to keep reminding each other as well. We need to keep reminding each other that following Jesus is going to cost us. That's because very easily we slide into a, a style of life where it doesn't cost us anything. We, we just want things to be peaceful and quiet, to be able to get on with our lives. But we need to remind each other that it will cost us to follow Jesus. We need to remind each other that when insults come and when the price of following Jesus starts to add up, we need to remind each other that it's worthwhile, that we're following a suffering saviour. And we follow a saviour who not only suffered, but a saviour who won. It's worth it because Jesus suffered, but he also won. So that's the first thing. Don't be surprised. If you're inclined to be surprised by suffering, for following Jesus, then first of all, don't be surprised. Next, God says to us, rejoice. Peter says in verse 13, don't be surprised, but instead rejoice inasmuch as you participate in the sufferings of Christ so that you may be overjoyed when his glory is revealed. Again, the point is not to rejoice in sufferings in general, but he says rejoice in as much as you participate in the suffering of Christ. It's not fun to suffer, but it is wonderful to think that we're participating in the same sufferings that Jesus experienced. We shouldn't rejoice, Peter says, when we suffer because we deserve it. So if you suffer, he says, for being a murderer or someone who meddles in other people's business or as a thief, he said, you shouldn't rejoice in that. You deserve that. Sometimes we deserve the, the consequences that we face. Don't rejoice in that. But when you participate in the sufferings of Jesus, rejoice because you're sharing in the same experience that he experienced. Notice too that in both verse 14 and verse 16, the reason that we suffer is because we bear the name of Christ. So the reason that we suffer is because we say, I'm with him, I'm with Jesus. Peter says, if you're insulted because of the name of Christ, you're blessed for the spirit of glory and of God rests on you. Jesus was hated. The world put him to death. If we identify with him, people will reject us just like they rejected him. But notice as well the kinds of sufferings that Peter has in mind here. He's not just talking primarily about bruises, in fact, he's not talking about bruises uh, and beatings or those kinds of things at all. He's actually talking about insults. Uh, just because we're not beaten and thrown into prison doesn't mean that we're not suffering or we can't suffer for the gospel. In fact, listen to what Jesus says in Luke chapter 6. He says, Blessed are you when people hate you, when they exclude you, when they insult you, and reject your name as evil because of the Son of Man. Rejoice in that day and leap for joy because great is your reward in heaven for that is how their ancestors treated the prophets. 
None of the things that Jesus mentioned are, involve actual physical suffering. That doesn't mean that Jesus doesn't include that. But it's because that's the root, the root out of which the physical persecution grows is these other things. Hatred, rejection, being reviled, being excluded. I spoke to someone the other day uh, just the other day, who told me that they lost their first job as a builder because they told their boss that they were a Christian. They weren't sort of just fired straight out, straight away, but he said, as soon as I mentioned that I was a Christian, it was like a wall came down. And my whole life became much more difficult. It became very difficult to work in that place. Just because we're not beaten or thrown in prison doesn't mean that we're not persecuted for following Jesus, that we're not hated, reviled, rejected, excluded. If that's you, if you can relate to that situation of being excluded like that, maybe it's excluded from work, maybe it's excluded from your family. Uh, If that's you, God says, don't be surprised, but rejoice. The world might hate you, your friends, your workmates. uh, They might treat you as garbage. The people around you might think you're the world's biggest idiot. But God says the spirit of glory and of God rests on you. Whatever the world says about you, whatever others say about you, the truth is the opposite. So too, Peter says, if you suffer for being a Christian, don't be ashamed I always think it's interesting how often the Bible tells us not to be ashamed. Presumably that's because that's a great temptation for us. But God says, don't be ashamed. And yet, how easy is it for us to respond in that way? Most of us, I suspect, want to be liked and appreciated by the people around us. We care an awful lot about what people think of us. Imagine your name being splashed on the front page of the newspaper. What would you think? How would you feel about that? Probably one of your first thoughts would be, what will people think of me? Or what will people think of my church, our church? Imagine your reputation being trashed on social media because you made a stand on something that Jesus cares about. That happened recently to somebody that I know. She uh, posted a message on Facebook that was a gentle but honest uh, post about the enormous brutality uh, of and scale of abortion around the world. She thought, you know, I, I just have to say something about this. And so, with grace... Uh, at humility, she did that, but, but, but also with honesty. There's a holocaust of children taking place right under our noses, and she said, I will side with Jesus. And so she said something, and someone pushed back on that pretty hard. No one wrote back to her, uh, and, it, and it really hurt. It would be easy in that situation, wouldn't it, to be ashamed, to pull your head in, to either not say anything in the first place because you think, what will people think of me if I say that? What will people think if I take a stand for Jesus? 
or to have said it and then to receive that pushback to think, no, I'm not going to do that again because look at what people think of me now. (laughs) Woe to you when people think well of you. Don't be ashamed, Peter says, but praise God. Actually, praise God. Say to God, Lord, I thank you that I lost my job because my boss found out that I was a Christian. I thank you, not that I lost my job, but I thank you that I was considered worthy to suffer the same kinds of things that Jesus suffered. Don't just think, ah, well, it doesn't matter. Don't just think, stiff upper lip. (laughs) Just going to push through it. Find another job. Now rejoice. Are the media ripping into Christians again? Has someone written an abusive letter to the editor about Christians? Rejoice. Lord, thank you so much that we live in a country where we suffer abuse because we follow Jesus and we make a stand for Jesus. Thank you that we're being insulted, even if it's just in a small way. Thank you that we're being abused because we've decided to stand with Jesus. Thank you that we're being treated in the same way that he was. Because nothing lightens the burden of suffering as rejoicing in it. Lord, thank you so much that I've been considered worthy to suffer for the sake of Christ. Has the government passed laws that outlaw some aspects of Christian teaching? Don't grizzle. Rejoice. Persecution is not a sign of our unfaithfulness. It's a sign of our commitment and our allegiance. Rejoice, says God, because even though we cop it now when Jesus is revealed, we'll realise, when we see the glory of God, we'll realise that it was worth it. The day when Jesus comes, nobody will think back and think to themselves, none of us will think back to ourselves, you know, I wish I hadn't have taken that stand for Christ, I wish I I hadn't have suffered in that way for Jesus. If we think anything, when we see the glory of God revealed before us, we'll think, what an idiot but I was so worried about what people thought of me. I was so worried about living an easy life. I was so worried about being comfortable. At the moment, it's tempting for us to wonder on which side the balance of profit lays, to stand with Jesus or to keep our head down. But when the glory of Jesus is revealed, we won't wonder. We'll know that suffering is hard, but it's worth it. So when you suffer, don't be surprised. Don't be ashamed. Rejoice. Thank God. Finally, God says, entrust ourselves to his care and keep doing good. Verse 19, so then those who suffer according to God's will should commit themselves to their faithful creator and continue to do good. Commit there means something more like entrust One person describes it like this, to hand over something of value to the care of another. To hand over something of value to the care of another. 
the thing of value which we hand over is ourselves, our well-being. And the person to which we hand it over is, of course, God. Peter says, hand yourself, yourself over the most valuable thing that you have, yourself. Hand yourself over to God and trust him. Trust in his care for you. Keep trusting that he'll protect you. And as you trust that, keep serving him. You see, the temptation is and will be when we suffer for being a Christian, to pull back, the temptation will be to pull back from whatever it was that we were doing that led to that cost. So, that friend of mine posts on Facebook, she'll, the temptation will be to, to not do that. Now, perhaps the way that you live at work or perhaps sharing the gospel with your family will lead to suffering, to exclusion, to being hated, to being rejected. The temptation will be to pull back from that. But Peter says, God says to us, don't do that. Entrust yourself to God's care and keep doing good. Why? Verse 17 and 18, Peter says, for it is time for judgment to begin with God's household and if it begins with us, what will become what will the outcome be for those who do not obey the gospel of God? And if it is hard for the righteous to be saved, what will become of the ungodly and the sinner? What does he mean when he says that it will be hard for the righteous to be saved? Or what does he mean when he says that judgment will begin with the household of God? Well, the word judgment can have two different senses. The first way that we sometimes use the word judgment is to refer to punishment. I'm being judged. I'm being punished for this. But it's unlikely that that is what is the way that the word is being used here because we know that if we're in Christ, we, we're not punished for our sins. Uh, Jesus was punished in our place and God doesn't punish the same things twice. The other way that we tend to use the word judgment and that the New Testament writers use that word as well, is to refer to the process of judgment, the process of sorting out who is in the right and who is in the wrong. So that's how we use the word when we think about a, a judge judging someone. Their, their, their purpose is to work out whether they're guilty or not guilty. And that is the sense, it seems, that Peter is using that term here. Peter says that God is already sorting out his people from those who are not his people. And the way that he is sorting them out, the way, if you like, not that he's judging them himself, but the way that he's bringing that judgment to light is through suffering. That is perseverance through suffering for the sake of Christ demonstrates that we belong to God while failing to suffer for the sake of Christ, giving up, drawing back, being ashamed in the face of suffering is an indication that we don't belong to God. Peter says earlier in chapter 1 verse 6 that the trials that have come upon the people 
that he's writing to have come in order to prove the genuineness of their faith. The trials have come to show that their faith is real. It's true, then, that suffering for the sake of Christ, for being identified with Christ, is one of the most powerful testimonies that we really belong to Jesus. It's a sign, isn't it, that we're really committed to following him. We don't just say that we're committed to following Jesus. We really are. We're not just fair-weather friends. It's very easy for lots of people to say, I follow Jesus. But when suffering comes and when the test comes and they draw back and they give up, well, it shows, doesn't it, that they never really meant it. It was never really real. But those people who, when there's a gun held to their head and they say, deny Jesus and live, they say, I'm not going to deny Jesus. Like Polycarp, remember, from a few weeks ago, the martyr. All these years I've served the Lord and he's never let me down. Why would I betray him now? And suffering comes and we keep running with Jesus. It testifies that our faith is real. How do you know your faith is real? Are you willing to suffer for the name of Christ, for the sake of Christ? What is one of the ways that you know that those around you, that their faith is genuine? One of the ways that we know is by their perseverance to the end. When they persevere through suffering, we know that they belong to Jesus. When they give up, we know that they don't. And so Peter says, this is the motivation, remember, because of that, entrust yourselves to God and keep doing good. Trust in God's care and keep living for him. Why? Because the alternative is the judgment and the wrath of God, the punishment of God. The testing and the purifying of God in our life now might be hard, but the alternative doesn't bear thinking about. Don't give up. Stick with Jesus. Keep doing good. I don't know where you're at uh, in your life. Uh, I don't know if you're thinking about throwing in the towel because the Christian life is too difficult. Uh, I don't know if you're tired of the effort of following Jesus. Maybe you're tired of the flack that you're copying for following Christ. Maybe you're tired, maybe of just simple things. Maybe it's you're tired of the shame of not putting the rainbow flag up on your profile picture on social media. Maybe you're tired of the exclusion that you feel when you don't wear purple uh, at school or at work to celebrate sexual diversity. Maybe those things are just slowly wearing you down and you're beginning to think, what's the, what's the point? It's a whole lot of effort for not much gain. If that's you... God wants you to know today that it is hard to follow Jesus. It does cost you. But you know, it's for a good reason. 
It's proving the genuineness of your faith. It's showing his glory. Maybe that's not you. Maybe you're not thinking about throwing in the towel. Maybe you're pretty happy to follow Jesus. But maybe that's because it's never really cost you that much. No one's ever really insulted you. No one's ever really hated you. Never lost your job. The likelihood is that in the years to come, probably very soon, I suspect, already now, the likelihood is that in the years to come, that will grow much more difficult. It'll be very hard to be a Christian without being persecuted, without suffering. And maybe the day will come as that happens when you'll wonder is it really worth it to lose my job? for the sake of following Christ? How am I going to support my family? Is it worth losing my house? Is it worth following Jesus if my children are not going to speak to me anymore because of the positions that I've taken on various issues? When that day comes, don't be surprised Don't be surprised that it will cost you to follow Jesus. Don't be surprised and don't be ashamed, but rejoice. Because if you persist with Jesus, that shows that the Spirit of God rests on you. Don't give up. Keep entrusting yourself to God and keep doing good. And as we think about those things for ourselves as well, let's not forget our brothers and sisters throughout the world who are facing these questions now. During this past week, Jacob sent out an email with a, with a link to a letter about the situation of the Christians in Afghanistan. In that, it reported how some pastors in the country have already been told that the Taliban are coming for them. I suspect they're not surprised. But they may be tempted, some of them, to give up. Let's pray for them that they would stand firm, that they wouldn't be ashamed, but they would rejoice. That they would entrust themselves to God and keep doing good. Let's pray. Dear Lord and Heavenly Father, we, uh, we want to confess that so often we're surprised by suffering for, for following Jesus. Lord, we're surprised by that because we've built a model of the Christian life which has no place for suffering or for persecution. We've built a model of engaging in our society and living in our society which is without cost build a model of living for Christ which is comfortable and easygoing. Lord, we pray that you would forgive us for that. And Lord, we ask that if the situation in these days and these years to come does turn more and more against us, Lord, we pray that you would use that to deepen our faith, 
to prove the genuineness of our commitment to you. Lord, if our commitment is shallow, if it's only superficial, Lord, deepen our faith so that we'd be willing for it to cost us to serve Jesus. Lord, we pray that we'd be willing to be hated, reviled, rejected, abused, perhaps at times beaten, thrown in prison, fined, losing our job, losing, losing all that we have, losing our family, losing our friends. Lord, we pray we'd be willing to do that. And not only that, Lord, that, but that when it comes that we would rejoice. Lord, that we would be considered worthy to suffer for the sake of Christ, that we would be considered worthy to follow in the footsteps of Christ, that we would be considered worthy to be treated as the prophets were treated. For great is our reward in heaven. Lord, we trust you and we ask that you would help us to keep doing good and living for you. We pray it in Jesus' name. Amen.